remember, but in 2013, so nine years ago, there was a huge news story about a girl who went skydiving in Switzerland and her parachute didn't eject properly. And she fell and she hit the ground. I'm talking like four and a half kilometers from the sky. And she somehow survived. Honestly, it's insane. It was a while ago, but I definitely remember hearing about it. And it just sent shivers down my spine. Like, how does someone even survive something like that? It's the stuff of nightmares. Like, this is what we think about when we think about the worst possible thing that could happen to us. And not only did this person survive, but they thrived. And I'm sorry for the corny line, but... I had to say it. And their name is Emma Carey. And after being told that she'd never walk again, that she was now a paraplegic, after years in recovery and rehab by chance, Emma learnt to walk again. Honestly, Emma's story leaves people in absolute awe. Not only is it like a miracle that she's still here, but that she's showed so much resilience, strength and positivity in her recovery. And what a lot of people don't know is the fact that while Emma was dealing with the trauma of her accident and being in hospital for months, not being able to move, she was also dealing with the breakup of her first love. It's something I read about in her new book, The Girl Who Fell From The Sky, and reading her story just hit me so hard. There was not only so much that like I resonated with, but I just think that anyone who reads it can, because if you've experienced love and loss during hard times, but have come out of the other side with a new appreciation for life, like you will just read this book and there will be tears. So I was just so stoked when I found out that I got the chance to meet Emma and chat to her about her story because I just think that there's so much that we can all learn from her. And this interview is honestly one of my favorites that I've ever done. We talk about her accident, her breakup, her darkest moment, but then learning to rebuild her life, learn to love again, and the wisdoms that she's discovered through living with a disability as someone who was previously able-bodied. So I hope you learn a lot and I hope you enjoy this chat just as much as I did. Emma, you have such an incredible story about strength and resilience and remaining positive through some really hard times. But throughout your book, I also realised that your accident went hand in hand with a story about heartbreak. Um, so I want to chat a little bit about about that and your relationship. What was your relationship like with your partner, Ben, before your accident? So we'd been together for three years and we were really young. I was only 20 when I had my accident, but I think because I was so young, it was just my entire world up until that point. So it was um, all through the end of high school. And in my mind, we were really good. He was the one. We were getting married. It was all systems go from my end. Obviously, looking back with hindsight, I can see it wasn't all as uh, dandy as I'd built it up to be in my mind. But at, at the time, it, just, it felt so all-encompassing and I was, I was all in for sure. Your first love. Yeah, yeah exactly. Your first yeah. love. I think everyone can relate to yeah. that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how much we tell ourselves. We're like, this is the person I'm going to be with forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're too young to know that you could have that feeling again. 
you think this is the only time I'll ever feel this. This is the only person that could ever feel that Mm. way about, which just isn't the case sometimes. And I think that was really highlighted when you did speak about your accident and um, the actual, you know, moment that you were falling in the skydiving accident. And you wrote about how people say that your whole life flashes before your eyes when you die. But as I counted the seconds to impact, I only saw one face. I wondered if Ben knew how much I loved him. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that, that moment and how you were feeling about your relationship and and Ben. So right before I'd gone overseas, which is where I had my accident, we had kind of had a bit of a argument and I hadn't spoken to him for the last few days, which we'd never gone a day without speaking in the three years we'd been together. So I was feeling in that moment when I thought I was about to die, I was like, oh my gosh, how could I have not told this person how much I love him? How could I not have said everything that was on my mind when now I don't think I'll have the chance to again? So that's that's the thing that was playing on my mind the most. And it's amazing how much I didn't like my, yeah, my life didn't flash before my eyes, but what I did feel was just so much clarity in what mattered to me in that moment. And again, in hindsight, I view everything a lot differently, but what struck me is that I used to think that was so romantic, that mm. he was the thing that, that was in my mind right before I died and that meant he was my entire world. If your life flashes before your eyes, he was my life. And yeah, I thought that was so romantic and it meant that we were meant to be together. But with time and with growing older, I've realized it's actually quite a dangerous way to view someone because he was my entire world. And I've really learned since then to not, not obviously I still want to let people in, but not to let anyone be more important to me than I am to myself. There's a whole kind of chapter that you speak about this a moment in the book and yeah I'm going to read some of it really soon because it just like resonated so much and I think it will for a lot of people listening but um, after your accident you were taken to a Switzerland hospital um, which was just you know obviously such a traumatic experience at first you're scared in shock broken you've just found out they've told you you're never going to walk again do you remember the moment that you first spoke to him about it? No so it was when I got to hospital and as soon as the emergency helicopter came, I was on so many painkillers and went straight into surgery. And I know that I called him sometime after that surgery, but I, I have like a very brief memory of it, but it was so hazy at that time. And I have no idea what I said or what, or what he said. <laughs> you always need someone there videoing yeah. to catch that moment where oh. you come out of surgery on the drugs. Because yeah. like the, the shit you say. So funny. It's so, so funny. funny. I would not love to know what I said then. (laughs) Out of sight, out of mind. (laughs) When you were in hospital and kind of, I think things began to settle and the reality started to kick in, how were you feeling about it all and also your relationship with Ben? Uh, So the first few days in hospital, I was so devastated because I just realised I was paralysed and I was trying to come to terms with and wrap my head around a reality that seemed so far-fetched just days earlier. So I was just trying to catch up. And after about a week in hospital, I just somehow had this epiphany where I was like, okay, what's happened isn't what I planned, obviously, uh, but there's no way I can take it back. And if there's no way I can take it back, then there's no point of thinking about it all day, every day and wishing it away when I can't. So it very quickly became clear to me that I could be paralyzed and miserable 
or I could be paralyzed and try to create a fulfilling, happy life regardless. So I I feel really lucky that Epiphany came so quickly. It came so quickly. (laughs) And I have no idea where from, but I I feel, honestly, I think what helped me actually is the fact that I was awake for the entire skydive and landing on the ground and awake the moment I realized I was paralyzed, which was obviously really traumatic to live through and not a great memory to have. But it helped me in the sense that I can so clearly remember how acute that regret was and that that feeling of thinking I had 10 seconds left to live and the longing to survive and get to live the rest of my life. And now that I, I get that, even though things were hard at first, overall, I just felt so lucky and so grateful to be alive because I know that I very easily could not be. This switch was just so incredible to read about because, yeah, like you said, it happened like a week in and it just felt, even through your words, so powerful how much you really did just go, right, I'm going to be glass half full. I'm going to look at it from this perspective where I think a lot of people would just, yeah, maybe have to sit on it for a while or sit in that misery and why me kind of feeling that I think a lot of people would feel. You were in Switzerland for a month and you spoke about it in the book that you wanted Ben to come out and visit you, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. So what was happening there? Uh, I I guess I just imagined he would because I I thought of the situations reversed and I would have been there day one. So I, I was feeling really not even let down. I was just really sad. It it was a time when I needed the comfort of a partner. Like my, my family was there and I had my best friend Gemma, but there's something about the, you know, the love and comfortability you can, you can have with a partner. So I was just really craving that. But at the same time I was in Switzerland. So I understood it wasn't just popping (laughs) down the road to come and visit me. So I was okay about that. Um, I just was excited to see him when I got back to, yeah, when I got back to a Sydney hospital. Yeah. So after a month, you finally were able to go back to Sydney and you were transferred into a hospital there. How long was it then until you were able to see him? Uh, He came the first day. Well, I got there at night and then the next day he came. You wrote, I knew we were about to have our movie moment, the one I'd waited nearly a month for. Nothing can describe the feeling of waiting to be reunited with the person you love after nearly dying and thinking you'd never get to see them again. Just imagining the moment had been enough to keep me going on so many of my darker days. What? was that moment like for you when it finally did happen? Uh, Yeah, not what I envisioned. So (laughs) I'd always pictured that he would run into my room crying, um, you know, come in for a hug, a kiss. I I thought it would be this magical, life-changing moment because for me, that's how it felt. I'd lived through this whole experience. I'd had that epiphany of just how much I loved him right before I thought I was going to die. And I'd, I'd lived through this whole metamorphic thing, but... For him, he hadn't. He'd just been at home the whole time and nothing had changed in his world. And so when I did see him, it was just very casual and it was very, I could tell that he wasn't, it, he wasn't speaking to me the way, the way we would normally speak. And you know, when you, everything on the outside looks fine, but you can just tell, like deep down, I knew straight away. I was like, and I didn't let myself admit it then, but I was like, this is, this is not going this is not going well. Like Did you feel like you were losing him? Yeah, absolutely. I could just sense it and I could tell that my feelings were a lot stronger than his. Did 
any of it, I know you were trying to just be like, no, no, it's fine. Like, you you know, you were dealing with so much trauma already. You didn't want to let yourself kind of go there. But did it ever kind of come across your brain that like this was because you were now living with a disability? Um, I I don't think so. I think I knew him well enough to know that if, you know, if he really loved me and wanted to be with me, nothing would have been able to stop that. I'd, I'd never thought being in the wheelchair or being paralyzed is what made me unlovable. I didn't think that. I just more so think it was a realization that if if he didn't feel that strongly in the moments when I could have so easily died, then he probably didn't feel that strongly at all. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it takes going through, unfortunately, something so huge and traumatic. And I think a lot of people have had these happen in their lives where big moments have happened in a relationship and it's either gone one way or the other, which, you know, is what happened to you. Because fast forward to a month, you saw him for the second time, which to me, I'm okay. I'm just reading. (laughs) And I'm just like, I, I was just shocked by this. The fact that it took him so long to see you and then it then took him a whole month to see you again for the second time. Um, but at this point, that was kind of where you realised that this relationship wasn't kind of going to go forward anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened? Like, Did he tell you about where he was heading? Yeah, so I think deep down I knew it from that very first moment, even when he didn't come to Switzerland, I think I knew. But as you said, there were so many other things going on that I couldn't – I was like, I can't think about that right now. Just put that to the back of my head. But when he came to visit me, he told me he was going on a trip to Europe, which is fine. But then I realized he was going on the basically the exact trip that I was meant to be on, but I had had my accident and I couldn't do any more. So that was um, – it just felt really – it felt really mean. It felt unnecessary to add that, like, extra wound of needing to watch him on holiday while I was in the hospital. But then – he he'd never i knew i knew that we were obviously over but he hadn't said it and i really needed that that kind of confirmation because there was just so much uncertainty in my life at that time i was like this can't be something else that's uncertain just like tell it to me <laughs> so you basically <laughs> went to a hotel room yes. with ben yeah. and you kind of knew in that moment this was us going to say goodbye to each other and i think he had said you didn't speak for ages and he'd said i'm sorry yeah. um and then you wrote i Thought I'd reached my lowest point a month earlier, but lying tangled on the carpet, unable to breathe from the realisation that something I had believed was forever was in fact not. I knew with a split second consultation with myself that this was undoubtedly the worst moment of my life. Because basically, like, you were going through this breakup and all you wanted to do was walk away, right? Mm -hmm. And then... Yeah, so I were laying on the hotel bed and at this stage I was still completely paralysed, so... I was using my wheelchair, but it's it's actually astounding how many times I forgot I was paralyzed because I had been walking for 20 years and now I'd only been in this new reality for a month. My brain still didn't, it wasn't my natural um, state. I still was just so used to walking that I would forget. So when he said, I'm sorry, which in other words meant we are breaking up, I I wanted to be that person who could just like, take the higher ground and just like walk out of there and be like, okay, bye. We don't need to get into a big thing here. Just see you later. Um, so I tried to get out of the bed, but it, cause I forgot that I couldn't walk. I just fell onto the floor and I couldn't get up and I was just crying so much. And the only 
the only way that I could get up off the floor was for him to help me. And it just added like an extra layer of humiliation to the whole thing because, yeah, being heartbroken and broken up with is one thing, but needing to then rely on that person to have to physically pick you up and help you and stay with you that night because I couldn't be on my own was just a whole added element. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of people won't be able to relate to, you know, like it's just that one moment where you do, like you said, just want to escape and get away and, you know, grieve and, and deal with that heartbreak. And something else that you did say, which just, you know, hit really hard was the fact that you had been, you had all these broken bones and you dealt with so much pain physically, but this in itself was more painful than like what you were experiencing, like within your heart. And I think that is kind of, Um, It really shows how strong heartbreak can be. Yeah, absolutely. And I I remember thinking so clearly if I could have been granted one wish to walk again or to have him back, I I wouldn't have even thought about it. I just would have chose him without a doubt. And that's something that made me realize, like I said before, that I, I never want to put someone that ahead of myself again because I honestly... I, I wasn't even thinking about my own recovery or healing. It was it was the it was so consuming to me, which is understandable. It's a breakup and first love, mm-hmm. but I I just didn't want to let someone ever be that important to me that I put myself last again. Mm. Let's talk about that journey because I think to me that was the biggest highlight I took from the book was just I think you said that now with Ben gone you he was your last kind of tether to your old life and the old you and now you were in this position where you could kind of recreate your future and who you were how did that feel like I can imagine having this new version of self was really freeing yeah so that's the thing I say like what's that (laughs) is it a JK Rowling quote that says um rock bottom is the solid foundation in which I rebuilt my life might not be JK Rowling. Oh, I've never heard it, but I love <laughs> but, it. <laughs> but I never really understood that until I was in it because I felt like I was at rock bottom. I'd, I'd lost my identity in the form of my physicality and all the things I could do. I no longer had a job. I could no longer do so many of the things I loved. And then losing my relationship as well, it was just like another aspect of my identity, which seems like it would be a horrible thing and it's a really hard place to be. But I very quickly realized that if I had no ties to my old identity that meant I could create an entirely new one in any direction that I chose and I think losing my identity in that way if I if I was older would be if that happened now would be a lot harder to deal with because I love my life so much now and I'm really proud of the person I am but back then when I was 20 I I didn't love the person I was I wasn't proud of the way that I went through life I was just kind of going through the motions and I wasn't, I didn't realize that I was in charge and that I could steer the direction in which my life went. And so losing my identity then, I was like, okay, well, I I don't need to just mold back into the person that I was. I realized that I had a choice in who I could become, which I I never realized (laughs) was an option before. I bet. I bet. I feel like that kind of journey that you had and, and you did get to that place, like you've been saying now, where you have so much love for yourself and for your body and who you are. And you really spoke about it throughout the book as well towards the end. What did that journey look like for you and how did you get there? Um, I, I think, and everyone says this and it sounds so cheesy, but honestly, one of the biggest things that helped me and that helps 
most people in any situation is just time, time to go through those stages of grief and be angry and be upset and um, find acceptance. It's obviously it's a conscious choice to choose to move forward, but time really does heal all. And I realized that even if a situation doesn't get better, like even if my body didn't heal or even if I never got back with Ben, even if the situation itself doesn't get better, I will always get better and the the mental um, state will always, yeah. There's a part of the book where you talk about how you felt about your body before your accident. And I think, unfortunately, especially women, we're kind of all Im- embedded with this body issue, hate, feelings. Like there's always something that people will feel about their body one way or the other. Um, and, yeah, you spoke about how a few days before your trip, you said, a few days before I'd left my trip, I'd gone shopping for clothes to take away with me. I was in a change room trying on shorts and I remember looking in the mirror and feeling so disheartened with my own reflection. I gained weight in the previous year and clothes weren't fitting me in the way they usually did. I looked down at my legs and resented how muscly they had grown from all the sports I'd played. I wish they would shrink so I could fit into something tighter. I looked at my face, which was eternally sprinkled with freckles, and I wish I'd been born with one of those perfectly clear complexions I saw on TV. What realisation did you have looking back at that moment when you were in the spinal ward? Because, yeah, you kind of came to a realisation looking back at that moment. Yeah, well... The realization was kind of immediate when I was laying on the ground in that in that instant that I realized I was paralyzed. I just straight away was filled with regret once again at the fact that I'd never stopped to appreciate my body. I had had this perfectly functioning body for 20 years. And even though I did a lot of sports and made the most of my body, I never stopped to be thankful for it or to realize what a gift that was. I thought it was just a given that it would always be available to me like that. And so as I was laying there, I there was no thought in my mind of what my body looked like. I couldn't care less. All I wanted was legs, regardless of what they looked like, that would enable me to get up off that field and walk away. And I, when I was in the spinal ward, I realized that there was so much more to that journey of realizing our body is... Um, isn't just about functionality. I mean, isn't just about aesthetics, it's about functionality. But I realized there was another level of that because I was surrounded by people who could not only not use their legs, but not use their arms or anything from the neck down. And I thought, okay, well, these people, the message of embrace your body for everything it can do, not just how it looks like, like that doesn't resonate with these people. So I think there's something more to learn here. And I just realized that we just aren't our bodies at all because as I was only able to move and feel half of my body, it didn't make me any less of a person, which is so obvious, but it was just such a like a deep knowing and realisation that someone who can't move anything from their neck down, that they're not any less of a person at all. So why are we placing so much focus on our body, the way it looks and it, what it enables us to do when we're still entirely whole even without it? And it's so hard to explain uh, just how profound that realization was. And I ho- I, I'm better at writing than I am at speaking. So hopefully I know you're comes. very articulate. I literally was just thinking, I was like, God, you're so good at talking. Okay. I was like, oh my God. I would be like, um, yeah. And then so like the, this happened. <laughs> well, thank you. But yeah, I think I write about that whole journey a lot better than I speak about it. No, you, you really articulated that. And I think for anyone listening right now, like it's just a really 
I think, eye-opening thing to hear because I think we do spend a lot of time looking in the mirror and being like, oh, I wish this wasn't so crooked or I wish that I didn't have this certain part of my body. But it's just like at least give yourself that perspective in the moment to think about some people just don't even have, like you said, complete control over any part of their body. And I think you spoke about it quite a lot in the book about becoming a paraplegic and and losing feeling in your legs, but then that also meant that you lost control of your bladder Mm -hmm. and your bowels. Um, And you actually wrote about before this accident happened, you actually had, and you, you said it was your deepest secret that no one knew about it, that you actually would wet the bed um, prior to your accident. And this was something that you were like so ashamed about and embarrassed that no one knew. And I think it took took you a while to get there, um, but now you fully embrace your incontinence and you tell everybody. How does it feel to have something about yourself that you were so embarrassed about to now being something that you fully talk about and own? It's my, like, I, younger me, who wet the bed and was too scared to go to sleepovers, wouldn't tell anyone. Like, my best friend of 25 years found out when she read the book. Like, I had never told her. That's how embarrassed I used to be about it. And so if she knew, the younger me, that one day I would be talking about it on radio or to any single person that I meet, I just wouldn't believe that's possible. And it's it's so freeing to know that that level of comfort um, is possible. And I think the switch for me was when I got home from hospital and I just learned how to use catheters and I was having accidents all day, every day. I didn't leave the house. I was too nervous to be around people and it would make me really upset. And I realized if I was going to get upset and angry and frustrated every single time I had an accident, which was every hour of the day, that would mean I would be angry and upset every hour for the rest of my life because it wasn't a problem that was going away. And I just thought, I don't know why I survived this accident, uh, but I don't think it was to live as a hermit Uh, and be too scared to let anyone in my life. I didn't think that was what my second chance was for. So I just made the decision to start telling people, just start opening up. And at first I was very shy and nervous about that, but I very quickly realized that literally no one cares. And if they did, like that would be the weird thing. You know, the incontinence wouldn't be weird. It would be the fact that someone was judging me for something that was completely beyond my control. And so it just it just changed my life opening up in that way because I I didn't need to hide something anymore that couldn't be hidden because it was such a predominant part of my life and it's just so so nice to know that that is possible. And I think that might be the incontinence is a unrelatable topic for a lot of people, but I think we all have something that we keep hidden and I hope that that message translates to translates to other other circumstances as well. Yeah, you you said that. I was going to ask you because it's just, I just loved this line so, so much. You said, I want so badly for people to know that this level of emotional freedom is possible and it is so, so worth finding. So I think, yeah, people listening now will hear you kind of speak about that and just whatever it is that it is for them, just realize like how freeing it can actually feel. Um, I do really want to talk about the incredible friendships that you made, Emma, because the way that you described the people that you met um, throughout your recovery in the ward, but also when you moved to the Gold Coast, uh, it was just so incredible to to kind of like read and see people really kind of 
teach you about love. Um, yeah, what did you learn about love with all the people that you met and became close to? Uh, so when I first moved to the Gold Coast, I didn't know anyone. And so my – and I'm, I'm such an introvert, so I love being on my own. But after a while of being there, I – I was really craving that, um, yeah, that kind of, that relationship. And that's what I thought that I needed to find. I wanted a romantic relationship to have that companionship. And when I, when I met so many people who, and as I said, I now had this like whole new identity and new outlook on life. So I met people who um, I related with on that way, who were on the same page, who saw the world in the same way I did. I realized that I didn't need a relationship at all to fill that void of yeah partnership and just getting having been able to laugh with someone and being able to talk to someone and so friendship has in all the years since just been the most it's been like the foundation of my life and just brought me so much so much joy. Kind of mentioned it at the start when we, you know, first started talking about in hindsight now about your relationship and you put so much into that that person Ben, you he was your whole world. How do you think about relationships now and yeah, I guess a little bit about friendships and maybe, you know, platonic, I guess love instead of romantic. Yeah, I think sometimes we can we can think that the platonic love is not as important and not as valuable probably because it's not recognized by marriage or you know in the in the same way that romantic love is but it it's it's so it's so valuable and I've really learned as I got older that we can't expect to gain every single thing from one person um so I've had a boyfriend for god years years and years now and I actually chose not to write about him in the book I think a lot of people were maybe expecting because I talk about heartbreak so much in the book that it would end with me finding love which seems like a very full circle way to end but I very deliberately didn't want to do that because I wanted I never wanted the happy ending to be you need to find love you need to you need to meet that person that you know made it all worth it and took away all the pain and blah 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 I I just wanted I was so content and happy even before I met him and so I wanted it to be clear that 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 wasn't the reason why and you don't need to find that person in order to find contentment and joy in your life. I did notice that. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I've seen the gram. <laughs> Where is he? I was yeah. like, no, but I, I didn't feel like it was lacking. I didn't feel like that we needed that. I really did enjoy that it didn't end with, yeah, with you talking about having a partner because, like you said, that message is so important. You don't need it. And I loved that throughout the book you did get to a place where you were just so in love with yourself and your friends and your life Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where it ended and I just I loved that so much thank you and also chronologically I hadn't met my boyfriend yet yeah (laughs) yeah. you're like yeah this book ended a few years ago and I met him probably like the month after the last chapter in this Ah. book so I could have easily added him in at the end but I was like I think I like ending it without without that I do too. Did you start dating again then? Like, is that when you met him? Uh, I'd been dating like all throughout ever since the accident happened. Um, Nothing really that serious. But I I always got asked, like, did I, was I nervous about dating with a disability or did people treat me differently? And I really don't think so. It was never something that I thought held me back in any way. And I, I thought if someone was going to judge me for it or treat me differently that it just very clearly isn't the person that I want to be with anyway so yeah that was never really a a factor for me and that comes from a place of self-worth you know like that really Mm. does like 
come from a place of self-love and self-worth, which you obviously got to of just being like, well, those people aren't for me. Like I'm not going to ever settle for someone that like doesn't love me fully for everything about me. Oh, I wish I could talk to you forever, honestly. Um, the whole book is just like full of incredible lessons and perspectives. Like I cannot talk about it enough to anyone who will listen, but I do have to ask what is and what has been the biggest lesson you've learned over the past, I think, 10 years that you would want to pass on for anyone listening? Oh, so many. But I think the overriding message, I, I dedicated the book to, this is so self-indulgent, but to my past self, to the version of me who was laying in that field, paralyzed and just honestly wanting to die because I didn't think I would ever get through that moment, let alone the rest of my life. And I I never, I wasn't someone who was strong-minded. I wasn't a positive person. So I truly believed that I wasn't capable of getting through that hardship. And I think a lot of people may think that same thing about themselves we don't we think other people can handle situations but not us we're not built for that and the whole book is a testament to not only my personal strength but the strength of humans in general that we're all so much more capable than we think we are we can adapt to so many things that we never imagined we'll be able to adapt to and the yeah the the book is just the the reminder to to my past self like that things got better and that life got good. And so I hope that that can give people hope in their own lives that um, they're capable of getting through whatever whatever challenges come their way. Honestly, I cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> Everyone needs to read The Girl Who Fell From The Sky. Like it is just... I don't know. I just, I couldn't stop reading it. I was meant to go out one night and I was like, so I was not coming. Oh my God. That's <laughs> the best compliment. Literally. I was on Saturday night. I was like, sorry, I'm not coming to your birthday. It was a friend's birthday. I was like, in sorry, bed. friend, sorry, friend <laughs> listening. If you are, I didn't go to their birthday. I was literally in bed, just like crying, reading your books. I couldn't stop. And I was like, no, this is more important. Um, so yeah, I cannot recommend um, Emma's book and yeah, I cannot thank you enough, Emma, for jumping into the studio and chatting to me today. It's oh, been thank such you a so much. Oh, thank amazing you. And issue. thanks for reading it. Honestly, I appreciate it. So I much. just <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm actually obsessed. I could have spoken to her forever. Um, and like I said before, this was a really special interview for me. I have also gone through like a really traumatic serious car accident where I wasn't able to walk for a year and also like literally experienced a breakup at the same time. So there was so much in her story that just hit so much harder um, than I ever expected. But I am so appreciative of her. I'm so obsessed with the book. If you aren't already following her, go hit her up on socials at Emma Carey and definitely get your hands on The Girl Who Fell From The Sky. Um, There's so much that we can learn from Emma's story. 